Good morning, everybody. Today's scripture reading is from James 1, verses 19 to 27, from the New Living Translation. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing the world to corrupt you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to be here today, and uh, awesome that you are all here. As Pastor Norb said, we back to the fireplace. I hope you took advantage of the uh, extra hour, got to bed a little bit earlier, or did you just say, here's an extra hour? I'm just going to stay up and enjoy it. Thanks, Paula, for reading. Uh, the text for your comfort for us this morning is just down to verse 21 verses 19 through 21. We won't get quite to the, the end of the section that Paula read for us. But you know, I've been loving the book of James. I hope you have as well. And uh, it's exciting every week to come to this passage and uh, to come to the text and to see what God is, is saying uh, in the series, Keeping It Real. Hope you have an insert uh, in your uh, Sunday news this morning that you can follow. The funeral for uh, Eugene Peterson was held this week in Montana. Uh, Peterson wrote about uh, 35 books, uh, and of course uh, he is the translator of the message version of the Bible. Uh, he also wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And certainly when Eugene passed away, uh, the title of this book became true of his life. He completed his long obedience in the same direction and his long obedience of serving Jesus Christ. He was joyfully looking forward to heaven when he died, and, and his family said in those last few moments, he just said, let's go, let's go. He's excited to see Jesus. A long obedience, a faithful servant, and here was a man who really loved Jesus, he really loved his word, and, and of course, uh, uh, we have appreciated so much the version of the Bible that reads like a contemporary newspaper called The Message, and many people have been so encouraged uh, by, by the, this version of the Bible. Interesting passage this morning. I think it could be captured uh, under the same umbrella, uh, a long obedience. What are the pieces that fit together to produce a long obedience? Now, some people have suggested that every church has a magical eraser at the door. 
when people want to leave. So when you leave this morning through the east doors or you leave this morning through the southwest doors, you will be confronted with a little magical eraser, although you won't know that it's there. It's kind of like going through security at an airport, you know, when they say, now you can come through and something happens and, uh, and they say, you're okay. They always catch Marg for some reason. And they always say, no, you got to come over here. And, and she looks at me every time and says, what is it about me that I get caught every time? Uh, but something happens when you leave church. There's a magical eraser. We haven't got a lot of information on this yet, but something happens that neutralizes what you've just heard. Or it comes to your heart that doesn't allow the word to mature in your life. So we get the word into our minds and our hearts through the children's ministry and through our ministry time here in the auditorium. But what happens to it when we get home? What happens to it when we get to school the next day? What happens to it when we get to the office and sit around a table making business decisions? Oh, that dreadful, magic eraser. Sheldon von Aachen once wrote that the strongest argument for Christianity is Christians when they're drawing life from God. The strongest argument against Christianity, he writes also Christians when they are becoming exclusive, self-righteous, and complacent. What keeps the Word of God from becoming the long obedience in our hearts and lives? So I want to give you five observations from the text this morning that help us with our long obedience. First of all, to say that our long obedience is of highest importance. James writes this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, verse 19. It's a command. Uh, it's an imperative. It's like he's saying, listen up, this is really significant for your lives and for your spiritual growth. In the New American Standard Bible, we have this rendering, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This you know. So it's a reminder. You already know this. You know what I'm going to say, but we need to hear it again. It's a mild command. You know this. Understand this. He's saying this is significant. It's an imperative. Secondly, this truth is inclusive for Christians. Understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So... This is written for the family of God, my dear brothers and sisters. And if you're not a follower of Christ, the passage doesn't address itself to you. It assumes here that you know the Lord, and it is talking to you as a member of the family of God. And then James says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So there's a message here for each one of us. It's not like, I hope she's here today and she gets this. Or I hope he's here today. He needs to hear this. No, it's not about anybody else. It's, it's about me. It's about how I absorb it. Thirdly, preparation is required. Preparation is required for a long obedience. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angered, angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth 
and evil in your lives. So that verse is all about preparation, preparation. First of all, the art of listening, the art of listening. James says, be quick to listen. It's possible to have good listening, but still be hard of hearing. Good ears, but not really hearing. And so Jesus said to the Pharisees, you, you keep on hearing, but you do not understand. Well, they knew something about that magic eraser too. They would hear, but somehow it would go right over their head. They would not understand. And, and students, uh, remember how we were assigned to all those books to read in university or in seminary, I remember having to read this stack of books. And when we get closer to the end of the semester, we read them faster and faster. And, uh, and we begin to scan the pages. We do it, and we read it, and we read it, and we turn in the assignment, and we say, we did it, Prof. We got to the end. Didn't have a clue what it said or what it meant, but we read it. We were hearing the words in our mind, but we were not comprehending. We can listen that way. Listen, but not really hear. Not really hear what it means to your heart. Remember Eutychus? Acts chapter 20, verse 9. He's the guy who fell asleep while Paul was preaching. Paul was droning on and on and on and on. And the uh, guy fell asleep. Fell backwards, sitting on a window, on a ledge. And he fell backwards, fell a couple of stories down, and he died. And Paul went down to where he fell, he prayed for him, and he came back to life. I mean, sometimes you can only hear so much, and you begin to tune out. What is it? The mind can only absorb what the seek can endure. So poor Eutychus... I mean, Luke just happened to be there, of course, with his trusty pen, and he wrote all of this down, and this poor young lad gets talked about for centuries. I mean, how would you like to be known as the guy who fell asleep in church and fell out the window? What a legacy to leave, eh? I used to have a farmer in our congregation years ago, and I did everything I could to keep him from falling asleep on Sunday morning. I worked hard at that. And, and he won every Sunday. And uh, I can still see where he used to sit over on the left-hand side as I was preaching, third row from the back, right on the edge of the pew. And uh, he beat me every Sunday because he was up early in the morning milking quite a few cows. And uh, he's getting older. And by 11 o'clock in the morning when it was time for church, uh, he was ready for a nap. And so when he came to church, he just sat down and he just relaxed and, and he was gone. And I understand. I mean, some people work some very challenging schedules. And you get to hear uh, here on a Sunday morning, it's like, oh my, I'm exhausted. And others are on medication. Uh, uh, so over at the school at Southwest, these days, uh, it's a little cool, uh, and that's a good thing for, for many of us uh, because it kind of keeps our people from falling asleep. I don't mind if you fall asleep once in a while. Uh, the bigger issue is that your, your heart 
is not asleep to hear what God is really saying. Adlai Stevenson, the American statesman, when he addressed the students at Princeton one time, said, I understand that I'm here to speak and you are here to listen. Let's hope we both finish at the same time. (laughs) Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Remember the story of Elijah? How he ended up in the the cave after... uh, after that wonderful experience on Mount Carmel, and then he went into a depression, and he needed God to speak to him so badly, but God was not fi- speaking in the earthquake, and he was not speaking in the, the windstorm, and he was not speaking in the fire. God was not in any of those, but God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. And that's often how we hear God speaking to us today. Not in the loud and the demonstrative, but mostly in the quiet, in the whispers, when we read His Word, when we slow down our RPMs, when we pull aside, and we say, God, I want to hear what you have to say about this. The fine art of listening, being quick to listen. Secondly, being slow to speak. James says we must be slow to speak. Oh, often too many words, too many words, too much business, too, too much busyness, too much activity. And what he wants us to do is just slow the pace. God has given us two ears and one mouth. That ought to say something about the ratio of speaking and listening. We never learn when we're speaking. We learn when we're listening. Have you ever been caught in a, in a conversation where you knew you were talking too much, but somebody got you talking and you got talking too much and you were opening your mouth only to change feet and you couldn't get out of this situation? Get me out of this conversation. It was like, that's what I need to do. I, need, I mean, how, how do I do that? You know the value of being slow to speak. And Job had that experience. Uh, when you're in a situation where you need God's wisdom, It's time to be silent. It's time for your spirit to pick up on what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. And when Job was enduring his great trials, he spent a lot of time talking. He spent a lot of time defending himself and talking with his friends. And then it dawned on Job, finally, that maybe he'd been talking too much. How did he come to that conclusion? God spoke to Job Job 40, verse 2, and said, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? And look at how Job responds. He says, Oh, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And uh, in today's language... Job said, Lord, I mean, this thing is just over my head. I, don't, I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to listen to you. I'm going to just quit talking and ask you to show me what is going on because I don't know. Sometimes in our situations, we need to just come to that point where we say, I haven't got it figured out, but I'm just going to be quiet before you, Lord, and I'm going to ask you. Now, you probably have a dimmer switch in your home Dimmer switches are designed to turn up the lights progressively. And do you know the Holy Spirit is your divine dimmer switch? He 
He turns up the light of the word so that you can see things that you couldn't see before. But before that happens, you have to chill. You have to be willing to hear from God more than try to defend yourself, more than talk to others and defend yourself and say, well, I think I, I was right to do that. And the, the light usually doesn't come all at once. The Spirit brings up the dimmer switch gradually until one day you see it, and there it is. Suddenly, it all makes sense. Being slow to speak, being quiet before the Lord, quietly asking the Holy Spirit to move the dimmer switch in your heart so that you can see what he's saying and he's, what he's doing in your life. Lord, open my heart to see what you're doing. Thirdly, slow to anger. As we get ourselves ready for a long obedience, here is James telling us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Oh, and we have to see what the anger does. It's the next verse. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We don't particularly like the trials that come our way. Lord, what did I do to deserve this? Lord, why me? And sometimes if we're honest, we would say, I'm mad about this. But if God is using this to do something in your life, to help shape you into the person that he wants you to be, you're, you're taking out your anger on the wrong person. So I just say this morning, don't get ticked off too fast. Because your anger won't help you accomplish the things that God is desiring in your life. Well, we can easily say, well, that's just the way I am. I mean, I'm straightforward. I just say it as it is. As it is. And, and I get that. But there is a line where it moves to anger. And King Solomon says, a fool gives vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Have you ever discovered that when you're angry, you don't hear very well? If you're in conflict with another person and there is someone that's really angry in the conversation, you may as well just go home for a while, say, let's just leave it, and let's come back and address the situation later. And then we can hear one another more effectively. We don't hear very well when our spirit is upset. And we don't hear God very well when our spirit is upset. It's a little embarrassing when our kids have a temper tantrum. I know that's not true of anybody here that you would have kids that have, would have temper tantrums. My, my child didn't get his way, so he, he had a temper tantrum. It's hard on us as, as parents, uh, especially in public, uh, and we kind of say, well, kiddo, would you hold it together till we get out of here? Can you hear your dad saying, I can, stop it, I'll give you something to cry about. Dad wasn't impressed by my anger, and neither is God. So be slow to anger, because it's not going to take you in the direction that God wants to take you. But actually, do you know what the Word can do in our lives? It can make us angry. It can make us angry. Have you ever felt angry after reading the Bible? Or have you ever felt angry after listening to a sermon? 
And you ask yourself, why am I feeling angry? Well, sometimes when the word hits close to home, it makes us defensive. It, make, it makes us angry. Oh, not that again. Because the light of the word shines on those places in our lives that need some attention. And, and we can either respond positively to that or we can get upset. But we have to do something with the information that comes our way. And sometimes it's, Lord, oh, I, I never saw that before. I am so sorry. And sometimes it's, I'm ticked. And I don't want to face it. Or we, we want to dismiss what we've heard. Or the other better approach is to say, God, I just opened my heart to what you're doing. I know you want to work in my life. So human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The righteousness or the completeness of God comes to us as we seek his will and as we walk in his way. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. So slow to anger. The fourth one is heart cleansing. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives as we move to this long obedience. A long obedience is dependent on a clean heart. In order to receive the word of God in your life so that it becomes powerful, there is some heart preparation that's necessary. Most things require some preparation. There was preparation here this morning. Those chairs on which you're sitting, they, they were all put in place this morning. Those tables were all put in place. Yesterday, there was preparation for the brunch. Uh, that manna uh, was worked on yesterday, and uh, it, it is worked on again today. And the children's ministry upstairs, they have tables and chairs this morning and check-in stations because there were people here real early preparing to get it all set up. Most things take preparation. If you go to the doctor and he or she says, you're going to need open-heart surgery, you'll never hear the doctor say, huh, I've got some time right now. We could do it in, in my clinic. Just lay down on the table and I'll just take care of it for you right now. Not a chance. The doctor says, I'll schedule you for surgery. Then we'll do some pre-op work, some consultation. I'll run as many tests as I can. And then comes the big day of surgery. There's a lot to it. You have to get yourself prepared. And your surgeon has to get himself or herself prepared. And the operating room is germ-free. Everyone has clean hands. They've scrubbed and scrubbed, and now they're ready to work on your heart, literally. It takes some preparation. God wants to come, us to come before him with a clean heart for a long obedience. It takes some preparation. Often that requires surgery. So get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. Now, I don't know if you're, any, if you're reading from the King James Version this morning. If you are, you perhaps need a dictionary like I did. Because it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And honestly, I had to look up the word superfluity. Does anyone know what that means? And then I thought of the word superfluous. Okay, now I'm beginning to get it. 
uh, something extra. So it means a surplus or an extra amount of something that is not necessary. There are things in our lives that we add to our lives that are not good for us. They subtract from our lives, and they are best to be removed. Superfluity of naughtiness. I was just marveling at the way we express ourselves through the centuries, and I thought to myself, I've got to go and check out Eugene Peterson to see how he did handle this verse. And here's what he, he wrote. And it just kind of tells you what 400 years of civilization and the way we express ourselves Uh, how that changes. Anyway, here's what Peterson did with this. He said, So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Very, very vivid. The New Living Translation uses the word filth. Get rid of all the filth in your lives. The Christian should strip off certain behaviors. Originally, this term was used of clothing. And the image of baptism springs to mind that took off the old clothes and put on the new clothes for baptism. Or perhaps James was wanting us to remind us of the powerful passage in Zechariah 3 where Joshua, the high priest, has his dirty robes removed And he's given clean robes, which is a symbol of God's forgiveness. So he comes before the Lord with by putting off the old robes, and he puts on this new robe of forgiveness and and reconciliation with God. So James instructs us to remove moral filth from our lives. It seems like the word in the secular world in those days referred referred to this as wax in the ear. It's a great picture, actually. Get the wax out of your ear. The the wax that accumulates, and and we all have to remove it. We have to scrub it out, get the wax out. We get wax in the heart, too. And until it's taken out, it prevents a long obedience. Because that's the way God designed it. You have to take time for confession, If you're a follower of Christ, you don't have to be saved again. Our first forgiveness is called judicial forgiveness. We're forgiven and we come to know Christ. But we need to get the wax out of our relational forgiveness. Because wax builds up between us and God. And that's a relational cleansing that's needed regularly. So we keep coming back day after day after day and ensuring that the relationship is clean and ready for the input that God wants to give to us. So God speaks to us, but the wax buildup prevents us from hearing the best of his voice. Uh, Remember the psalmist, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. I actually think Peterson was was right on with uh, his graphic imagery of this farming analogy because the Bible gives us this picture of the soul as a garden in which a seed is planted. But that seed uh, may not germinate because of the weeds that spring up around it. That's the wax. That's the, that's the encumbrance. And isn't that the great strategy of the enemy? 
Isn't that part of that magic eraser? Is that the enemy quickly twists things and brings back our own agenda. He wants to sow the seeds of sin and, and spiritual dullness in your life. To keep the word from really producing the maximum uh, for your life. Why pull out the weeds? Well, first, they're wrong. They are, they are sin. And second, they stifle the growth uh, that God intends for your life. God has such a great potential for you, but sin stifles what God can do in your life. Finally, receive the word. And humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. A long obedience means receiving the word, accepting the word that God has planted in your heart. And how do you receive the word? Humbly. Humbly. With a teachable spirit. Lord, as I come to your word today, teach me. There's this idea always in Scripture of a teachable, humble spirit. Humbly expect, uh, accept the word that God has planted in your heart. It means welcome. A big welcome sign on the front of your heart that says, Lord, speak to me. I'm open to what you have to say. Well, um, I, like many of you, are disappointed uh, that our Eskimos didn't get into the playoffs. I've been coaching them from home for a long time. Um, they don't listen. But uh, years ago, Marg and I took a football player out for lunch. Out for supper. Uh, he played for the Eskimos. I, don't, I think his name was Chris Woods. I don't know if any of you can remember uh, number 77. He came to our church way back when. And his girlfriend was visiting. So, so we took them both out and said, supper is on us. Took them to the Swiss chalet. My mistake was saying the supper is on us before we ordered. Because uh, do you know how much football players eat? Oh, he ate two plates of ribs and chicken. Finished one. He said, I'll have another one, just like that. So we nearly had to take out a small loan to pay for that supper. But we loved it. And he received the food with great eagerness. He had a welcome sign out for the food. That would be awesome if we were open to receive the word just like that. More, Lord. More, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of your word, Lord. Feed me. Feed me till I want no more. A long obedience. What does it mean to allow the word to get deep into our hearts so that we maximize our journey with God? That magic eraser is always at work. Think of that magic eraser this week as you, as you go about your life. What happens when we walk through these doors, what happens with that swipe of the eraser? Does it, does it just erase all you've heard? Or do we stop the eraser from doing this paralyzing work in our life? Don't just listen to the word Paula read this morning, but you must also do it. Otherwise, you are just fooling yourself. The word has told us this morning, this is of highest importance. 
Secondly, this is inclusive. Thirdly, there's a preparation that's required. We're required to listen. We're required to be slow to speak, slow to anger, have a calm heart. We're, we're required to cleanse our hearts, allowing God to have space in our hearts where he can do his work. And then to receive the word, Father, what you want to say in my heart, I want to receive that. So a long obedience in the same direction, the direction of a gracious God who loves us. We're grateful for the long obedience of Jesus as well. As the Apostle Paul writes that when he appeared in human form, that he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. So around the table this morning, we're going to celebrate the obedience of, of Jesus. We're going to celebrate the, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we can do that is by taking uh, a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice and remembering the long obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray and prepare our hearts uh, for the Lord's table. Lord, thank you this morning. Thank you for your word. Lord, may it bring us to a long obedience in the same direction. May we be sensitive to open our hearts to you, to clear out all of the clutter that uh, collects, and allow your Holy Spirit to really minister to our lives. Lord, we pray that uh, something of what you wanted to say today through your word would lodge deeply within our hearts and lives, and it should not be taken from us. We pray in the name of Jesus.